Okay, um, welcome to Code Review Collaborative QA. Um, my name is Karin Grammer. I work as a software engineer and trainer for KDAB. And um, I see a lot of, so, so we are doing IT consultancy. And so I'm, I'm visiting a lot of customers and some of the customers do code, do code review. Um, some of them don't, so I know the, like the, the, the hurdles that software engineers in those companies try to overcome in order to get code review uh, introduced in their companies. I know the pain points for, for people who you know, have to push against um, the, the resistance of not having code review. Um, I'm also a KDE developer, so from my point of view as an open source contributor, code review has been um, longer with me or part of my software engineering life than um, most corporate developers have. So that was my motivation for this talk, talking about code review in general, um, why we want that as software engineers, um, what you know, management or colleagues could theoretically have against code review, and how to you know, convince them that code review is a good idea. Okay, um, this, is the, this is my idea of the agenda. So what is code review, or how do I inter interpret the idea of code review? When do we do code re review in the development cycle? Why do we want it? Right? So this is the reasons why we really want it. Also reasons that we can you know, sell to uh, our colleagues or to the management why code review is a good idea. Then a section on um, the usual you know, negative feedback that you have, why people do not want to do code review. And then a couple of... Um, you know, I, I'm examples how, how to actually you know, do the code review um, in the terms of tools. Okay, let's start with the what. Right. So, um, what is code review? So, code review is actually reading the code. Code review is not just you know, looking at the code, says, ah, this is, an, this is a nice pattern of characters, I like it. Right? So, this is not code review. Code review is actually reading the code, meaning, um, as, we, as we usually say, right, when you write code, um, you should always keep in mind you write the code once, right? Of course, we change the code, but we write the code once, but we read it a lot of times, right? So a lot of our effort um, when we write code should be in the readability of the code, because code gets read a lot of times, and sometimes it's not us, or it's us a year later, or it's a different colleague, so the readability is important. That also means um, reading is not just, you know, you know, following the characters, reading is actually an, an, a process where you have to engage um, like multiple parts of your mind, not just the character recognition part. So code review means actually reading the code, right? Which um, follows into the, next, into the next step, understanding, right? So there's different levels of code review, of course. So uh, you can do a first, you know, a first stage code review and say, okay, you, you, you look through the code and see if there's any um, you know, bad coding style, things like that. But if you do an actual code review, you need to be able to understand the code. Right? Understanding also means um, not only what does it do, how does it fit into the rest of the, of the code around it. Um, the, my recommendation is when you do a code review, always assume that after the code review has been um, accepted, that you become the maintainer of the code, right? 
So um, you need to be comfortable with maintaining that code, right? So this should be the, the, the threshold you have um, if you accept the code or not, right? This is something that comes totally natural in the open source context, because in open source context, a lot of patches you get um, could be via review system, could be via email, any, any form of, of patch submission. Um, very often, you are the maintainer of the code. So you get code that you need to maintain. This is why code review is so much more present in open source projects, because people need to be able to maintain code that has been submitted by someone else. But even if you do that in a, in a corporate context, even if you know you're submitting code um, that is uh, in a module that you are not responsible for, um, so it, this would be kind of like the, 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 your mental threshold. It's all, not always possible, of course, right? Sometimes we, we don't have the time to do it properly, especially if it, how it fits into the rest of the software functional-wise. Um, but for example, part of that is um, making sure it follows like, you know, the, the general layout, um, also style of the code around it. So it doesn't become an, an, an odd part out of whatever it is in. So understanding, so reading, um, really read it, try to understand it. Then when you have, like, you have your opinion now of the, of the code that has been submitted to your review or that you are reviewing, um, if you had any problem on the understanding part, make sure that your feedback is asking for input, right? So asking, um, you know, why did you do that? That is also a good, a good um, indicator that either it's, it's more complicated than it needs to be, or it needs background information that you do not have, or it should be documented, right? So this is a, also a good threshold. Everybody knows that write software, when we write software ourselves, right? Um, so the, 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 the general um, rule is um, you make a comment somewhere if it's not obvious. But while you're writing something, it is obvious to you, right? So in a, in a review process, you get code from somebody else. And if it's not obvious um, to you, it doesn't mean that you do not understand the problem or this, how it is being solved. It might be that the person solving the problem just has a deeper understanding and doesn't need any comments. So, um, but that person will also be very happy about your question like half a year later when they have to change the code and have no idea what they had done before, right? So this is, um, so feedback number one is always asking um, if you do not, if it's not fully clearly understandable, if you have like, you know, only small doubts, right? You know, why do you do that twice? Yeah, that might be necessary, but you know, if it looks odd, it's always good to ask. Um, suggest. Right, so if you if you think that you find that they have a better way, that might not be true, right? So always consider just because something is like a loop done twice um, looks you know wrong, um, but it might be necessary for other reasons like side effects. The loop body could call functions that have side effects, so it might actually be necessary to run the loop twice. Um, it might be possible to collapse both loops in one body, but it's not always possible. So this is kind of like, okay, this looks like you're doing an unnecessary double looping, right? You just could we like move that? And then the other developer can say, no, no, because we have um, in this function that we call in the body, we tr transform the, it, the, the container we're iterating over. So we need to do that uh, in, two, in, in, like, in two loops. Um, but then again, this is something that needs to be commented. So. You, you make a suggestion, right? You do not, you do not, um, you know, tell the colleague he's a moron. Um, he could do that in one loop. He he probably had a very good reason for doing two loops, right? 
of course, there are the, the exceptional morons in any company, so, but you, you, you usually know who, who those are, right? So, um, advice. Um, this is something where you know that the solution is correct, um, but you have like improvement suggestions, right? So this is not like the, it's, it's different to, difficult to separate between the um, suggest and advice part, but it's more like, um, you know, things like, if you add a const there, right? So this just makes, the, makes it easier for the compiler to generate more optimized code, things like that, right? So this is not something that, that will affect the maintainability or the readability or whatever. It's just, you know stuff better than the colleague does in some way. Um, I have colleagues, they, they really understand what kind of assembly is generated for what kind of C++ instructions. So they, they, they make um, things like, okay, this is works, right? So there's probably even no performance gain because we know the CPUs optimize even further afterwards. But if you do that, then the code that gets generated is like 10% smaller or something like that, right? So, or if, it's, if you do that, then the code or the, the, the data that you currently have, like a constant character array, is put into the read-only section of the executable. That means if the executable is executed multiple times, that part only needs to be loaded once into memory, things like that. So this is, um, especially in, in the context where we have customers with embedded systems, this can be really important because it improves startup time of every further process. It, it takes less memory during execution and things like that. So something you would not you would usually um, care about if you're a server developer, desktop developer, but you know, people know that stuff. So they could make, you know, advise you to, to, to improve on that. And this is also, of course, helpful, helpful for yourself. Okay. <clears throat> right. So when do we want to, to code review? So code review, as I said, right? So it's a it's a process. You're reading somebody else's code, really reading it. You're trying to understand it as good as possible. If you do not understand it, you ask. If you understand it, but it's not, you know, it it looks odd, um, then you can make suggestions or even you have even advice how to make it better. <clears throat> when do we want to do that? So there's there's a couple of um, traditional um, strategies. Um, pre-submit. So it used to be called pre-commit, um, but of course that comes from an era where we had centralized uh, version control systems. That means, right, we have our local changes and we commit them to the central repository. The decentralized uh, version control systems have kind of like muddied that a bit because um, commit is now just a local change, right? It's just a persistent local change. It does not, is not, has no impact on anyone else in the, in the project yet, right? Before you push it. So I changed it to pre-submit. So before you submit it to the actual repository, okay? This is one of the, one of the um, times where you can do code review. The other is post-submit, right? After it has submitted. Um, the usual, um, Way to do that is you have like a development branch on the on the central repository or on the whatever shared repository in case of Git. There's always usually some kind of like you know the official repository after submission, um, after several things. When you say that the feature is ready, you have 100 commits in that branch. Then the whole branch gets reviewed. Right? This is one of the review strategies. Um, since that with the with the introduction of of like something like Git or especially tools like Garrett, I will come back to that later. There is a, a third option, it's basically submitting to review. So the idea is that you commit, 
and then you push the change not into the central repository, you push it into the review system. So basically, instead of um, going from your workstation into the repository, you're going from your workstation into the review system and then into the repository. So you have like a, um, an intermediate step that is possible with, with um, how the, because you have like a decentralized um, version control system. So even the review system can have its own clone of the repository. So it is, it can do the pushing, right? So it can push from its version into the master version. That can, it can even be like some projects even deny the direct way, right? You have to go through the review system. There is no other way around that. Um, so to summarize, when can we do um, code review before we submit, after we submit, and we have with, with decentralized version control system the way to submit to the review system. Obviously, each of those have, have um, advantages, disadvantages. The advantage, of course, of, for example, of the um, post-submit is we have no delay, right? We, we work as usual, we commit into our branch, and then afterwards, when we are done, right, when we don't have to wait anymore, our work is done, and some colleague or colleagues review everything, right? Um, so it does not block us. This is the advantage. The, the, the disadvantage, of course, is I might have um, invested a lot of time into things that are you know, not, not, not good or even you know, not, not optimized is one thing, but that it might actually be bad. And I have been working with bad code all the time. If I had a review earlier on, I would have um, like maybe even had less problems in my work in, in the, the other commits that were built on top of my you know, bad decision. So pre-submit obviously has the advantage of um, getting feedback early, right? Um, before it's, it's part of the state that cannot be changed or has to be modified by further commits. Um, of course, the, the disadvantage, as I said, is I, I, I depend on another person or then a pool of an, uh, other persons before I can continue, or theoretically. This is what the the, the um, intermediate system tries to avoid. The intermediate tries, system, you push, um, you submit in a, in a certain way, but it goes, does not go into the, into the like, final state, so you can always change all the commits. So the, the way this, the system works, you, you push your commits into the review system, each one of them can be separately reviewed. Um, those that can be separately merged back into the main repository can be merged at any time. Those that depend on each other have to be merged in the correct order, but you can change all of them all the time. So you have, you, you have like, a, in, in like a hybrid, a hybrid. you get feedback early on, but you're not blocked on somebody immediately reviewing your stuff. <clears throat> okay, um, so why do we want to have code review? So. Um, um, that's a, that's a, you know, um, it's attributed to Linus Torvalds. I think um, Eric Raymond had this in the cathedral in the bazaar. Um, the idea, given enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. So this is the argument, the quality, code quality argument of, of code review. This is kind of also a bit of my subtitle, right? So collaborative QA. Um, Given that more people look at the code, it's easier to find um, bugs early on, before they become bugs. It's even if you do that yourself. So I find myself, so when we, we 
when we work on internal code in KDAP or even when we have customer code hosted in our infrastructure, um, we have this submit to review system. So we are using Garrett for that. And sometimes I push a commit, even if it's a project I'm working on alone, or even if I know it's, it's, it's not a, um, a problematic change, then I still often commit it in the review system because the, the review system shows the change in such a different way than my um, development environment does that I sometimes find you know, things that I missed during development, like, oh, I, there is still debug output in there. Or um, the code doesn't match anymore because I've changed the code and did not change the, the document, the, doc, the comment. That's something you, this is just because you're in a different context, so your mind switches from the code creation context into the code review context. And if you do that often enough, there's really separate, like, you know, parts in your brain basically doing that. They read the code in a different way. So you often see your own mistakes in the review system that you have not seen in the, in the development system. So um, code quality is not only, um, you know, it, it really allows you to find bugs earlier or something like you do not check, you know, your loop goes, you know, you have the typical, um, you know, out of, um, you know, um, looping too far, starting too late, like jumping over, over elements in your, in, your, in your container, things like that. Um, reviews usually find those, right? So they're not a guarantee to find all the bugs, but they, they usually get the, the, you know, the, the trivial bugs that you're most angry about later on because they could have been avoided. So um, code quality is like the, the primary argument usually used for why a company or a team in general should um, have code review. Um, but that's not, the only, that's not the only reason. So the next thing is, right, spreading the love. Um, as I said, right, our mindset when we review code should be, to be able to understand the code to that level that we are able to maintain the code. Meaning that if you do, if, you know, you're writing your code, you understand the code, but the colleague that is reviewing your code, if he's doing the code review correctly, um, should be basically at the same level of your understanding of the code. Right? It's not, not always the same level because you have background information um, that the other person might not have, but um, the, you're basically spreading the bus factor. Right? You're going from the bus factor of one, right? only one person knows the code to two people knowing the code. Right? Just as a basically side effect of the code review. So this is something that's kind of the, the long-term um, stability or maintainability of the code base. This is um, often more convincing for like, management level decision makers um, than the quality itself because you know, stuff like bugs can be found by testing, um, by static code analysis and whatnot, right? So there's automated tools that can also help you to find bugs. But um, nothing um, will get another developer to your level of understanding of the code other than actually understanding the code, right? And if you do that in small steps by having the other person reviewing the code, that kind of is like a side effect, right? It's not something that is... Um, that needs to be done, right? It's, it's extra work, but this is also an investment. So um, this is usually one of the arguments that works better with management because, of course, code review takes time. That means um, this is time the developer does not work on new code in, in his own 
you know, whatever branch, project, side project, um, but it is an investment into the future of the company. So that's usually a, a good argument. Right. Um, then we have also, then we have like the social components. Um, this is something that is, that is uh, everybody who works in open source project had that experience. You start, um, especially if you start as a student, um, and there are people on the project who have like 10 years more experience than you have, um, you get really good information about, you know, things that can be done better. As I said earlier, the suggest and advice state, right? Things that you might not know, um, you get information from people who have far more experience than you have. So the learning, the learning part. This is also something that can be very helpful when you're countering one of the points that I will address, the but, you know, the, the, the why people do not want the code review. This is really helpful. So this is one of the things, um, um, yeah, I will address when we, when we have the but. Oh, yeah. So we introduced code review in our company um, as a, as a, as a you know, voluntary things. All our pro uh, proposals allow direct push. Um, do, you do not have to go through code review. There is a couple of projects where this is mandatory. Um, it's usually mandatory for customer project unless the customer does not, um, you know, does not buy into that. Um, and especially the, there was, there was the, before we did that, right, the, all the team leads were asked, do you think that would work for the people in your team? And the, the team leads with um, um, people who were not, um, you know, did not have the same level as their colleagues, they were hesitant. They said, eh, I don't know, you know, they, they, they might feel they get, you know, criticized a lot. And um, we did that, so we did it voluntary, not mandatory. So basically after half a year, we ask everyone again, and especially the people who had not had the same level yet. So the, one of the problems in, or like one of the things is why people pay a lot of money for our work is because we have really good people. And um, the, the other people said, oh, this, this was so helpful. I, I, like, I learned more in the last six months just by getting you know, feedback through, in the, through the review process than I had like in years before um, from normal development practice because you get so much more helpful. Like in a, you have the concrete use case that you just solved, right? And you get feedback on that. It's not like reading a book. Reading a book is very abstract, very distant from, from an actual use case. Even if they have example, they are like made up examples or you do not have any connection to the example. In this case, you have a connection to the code, right? You just wrote it, you solved the problem and somebody else tells you, um, yeah, but if, um, right, th th this works, but if you do that, right, then you have, then you don't need the rest of the function, right, because um, this indirectly ensures that whatever is, uh, you know, um, there when you, when you reach the other, you know, line, so sometimes you just don't know that, or there's a class that does already what you want to do, right, things like that, so simplifications. So learning is a, is a, is a, so it's a, it's a knowledge transfer, also something that management usually buys into, but also colleagues usually buy into that. Right. Then we have the other side of learning, teaching. Right, also again, um, commonly known uh, proverb. Um, of course, you could fix the code, right? If you do the review um, as, the, as the experienced person, 
you know how to write it, right? You could have probably done that in half the time and things like that. So you might not want to invest in the you might not want to invest in the um, in the in the review. You could just you know push the fix, right? But that means that you that, that the gap between you and the other person never narrows. So um, you will always have to do that, right? You will never. Um, experience closing the gap, which means you have fewer work to do. If you, if you push knowledge from yourself to the, to the other person, the other person approaches your level, and you, have to do few, you need fewer time for reviews, right? So um, it's something you're helping yourself. Uh, also something that knowledge transfer, as I said, right? This is the two sides of knowledge transfer, um, usually very nicely sellable to management. Okay, so the usual thing is, I won't get any work done. This is usually very fast people, right? They are they're afraid to have to work for, wait for review. This can be a problem in very small projects, right? If a project has only two people um, and they can obviously only review each other, then one is always dependent on the other. And sometimes you have tasks where you need to merge before you can continue. So this, this can be problematic, um, but in the other case, if you have a large team or large enough team, um, this is usually not a problem. Um, you can make time, right? You can, when you do the planning, when you are the project manager, that you plan, explicitly plan time for reviewing. If you know all your colleagues will have like one hour each day or half an hour each day where they can do reviews, right? This is something that this is reserved. Then you know it, you know, you probably won't wait longer than two days or something like that, right? So this, this can be, this can be solved on a, on a, on a um, like different level. And also because we can push directly to, as I said, with the submit to review, we can still continue working. We do not have to wait for review for every single patch. Right. This is the, the I don't want to be judged problem, right? Um, a person might not want to be exposed to people who know things much better. Um, this is, of course, uh, um, you know, that you need to address that on the personal level. As I said, we were afraid about as well, or like had concerns, but it turned out that the um, people really liked it. They really liked the learning experience. So this can be elevated in, in certain cases, elevated the, the people like get used to that, right? But of course, it depends a lot on the culture. If your team needs to have a culture of collaboration, not of basically confrontation, because you have confrontational people in there, then something, um, you, you know, you, you, you have a space wrong here, whatever, right? The, the variable should be named different, and then it just gets annoying, right? So um, if people like insist on really small details in every change, if you have like the fifteenth revision and the only thing you have, the only thing yet this is wrong again is you you missed a new line somewhere, right? So this is this is also a, let's say it's a it's a yeah um, right. So I have better things to do. This is the other thing um, you you would not have time to do review again. As I said, can be addressed by proper project management. Make sure that people have time to do reviewing. And again, as I said earlier, this is the teaching part. Um, if, if the other person, if you, the, the gap between you and the other person um, closes because of your reviewing, you have to do less reviewing in the future and you have a more reliable colleague. So um, it will help you in the long run, right? So, but this is, the, this is kind of like the um, 
this one and this one, they're kind of like the two sides of the, of the like time problem-wise, but that can be done. They can, this can be, can be problematic, but it can be addressed. Okay, how? Right, so how do we do, actually can we do code review? So obviously the, the, the trivial, the most easiest part is to do a diff, right? So when I started working in a company, um, at some point I became the maintainer of certain libraries, and at that point I made it my, uh, my duty every morning when I, when I um, came to the office, I basically did a diff against yesterday, right? So that we were using sub, uh, CVS, and CVS allows you to say, okay, diff from today against yesterday, so a date-based diff, really rudimentary, just see if there has, been, has there been any change, what changed. Right? And diff, so I made a very simple commit here in one of our repositories. As you can see, I basically just added a line in one of the files and deleted another file. Um, and of course, this is already a diff, right? So I can already look at that. I could also make, you know, um, you know git show head. Um, I can already look at the code. I can see what changed. I don't have the the thing, like the code around there, right? I don't have context, so it, it becomes, it becomes um, difficult for, for, for larger changes. But of course, um, I expected that already. Um, oh, I'm reading the wrong user, sorry. Um, right, so um, there's, there's of course tools, right? Tools that allow you to, to look at the patch in a very different way, right? Really see where lines get added, where lines get changed. So even just reviewing the, the diff can already make a difference, right? So um, sometimes we do that mm -hmm. if we do not have control of the infrastructure, we work with the customer um, infrastructure and we still do like attach diffs to our own, you know, bug, bug that track the customer bugs or customer tickets and then we review the diffs. So already reviewing diff makes a difference, right? Then there is, of course, um, the, the, the thing that are way better than um, looking at this is certain web-based review systems. One of those is ReviewBoard. ReviewBoard is a very simple system. It's uh, free software. It's one of those things that you can install yourself, so it's, it's something that is hosted, right? I, I only included tools that can, you can host yourself. Um, I, think, I guess probably everyone knows that GitHub has a review system in its pull request um, workflow. But yeah, um, review board, you can install review board. It's basically just needs a web server and PHP, right? And it can deal with all kinds of repositories, subversion, Git, whatever. So this is the one that, that has um, least dependencies, right? You can even look at the demo here. Um, let's look at that. See if I have good enough internet, jawohl. Right, so. This is just a demo project. Um, there's all kinds of comments on that already. Um, these are the, the comments that you see. We can also look at the diff. This is usually what you do, right? You switch to um, looking at the diff and you see the code changes. Again, nicely highlighted. You can make comments directly at lines. Um, people will see that. You can say, okay, this is a suggestion. This is a you know, problem that needs to be fixed. And whoever addresses those can also then mark them as fixed and so on. So really nice. Um, and really simple, like add-on to any already existing system. Um, Fabricator. 
Fabricator is less known. It's a, it's a more complex tool set. It also includes um, like bug tracking, all kinds of that things, um, task management. It's what KDE currently uses um, as the, as the um, system. So I, I know that from the KDE point of view. Um, it's more integrated, but it still works on all kinds of repositories. So again, you have you know, reviews. The, um, the reviews can even have like automated um, reviews, like bots that do stuff uh, reviews. And again, you have the, like the diff view where you can make comments to every line that you want to, you know, where you want to have a comment. So Fabricator is a kind of like an intermediate solution. It's, it's more complex. You can directly link to bug reports, things like that, if it's the same system. So it's usually not easily deployable because most companies already have bug tracking and so on. So the thing that is actually, um, I have most experience with is Garrett. Garrett comes from the Android development um, um, team. It's used by Qt um, for Qt development, and we use it company internally for all our, our um, reviewing. It's the most complicated to install solution because it replaces your, your Git server, whatever you have, right? So it, this is actually your Git server afterwards. So this is where, you, where people clone from. Um, this, this allows the Garrett server to have this like submit to review thing, right? You, you basically create review branches inside the systems fully, fully automatically when you push things into review and then you can merge directly back into whatever branch you, you know, deviated from. So usually like you merge back into master. In Qt, this is the only, this is the only way to actually get changes into Qt. You push into Garrett and from Garrett you basically submit into master. Only like two or three people um, have like you know the rights to actually do direct pushes for fixing things, right? But also they go through the Garrett workflow. This allows basically everything. So Garrett allows you to hook on all, multiple stages to hook continuous integration in there. So only things that get past continuous integration can be submitted, for example. So in Qt, when Qt development, um, you submit something, it gets reviewed, it gets okayed. And then it gets in the merge phase. The merge phase, the Qt continuous integration builds the thing on every platform that Qt has continuous integration for, runs all the tests, and only if it passes that, it gets merged into the, into like the development branch of Qt. So it has a, it's a safety feature. In KDE, we, uh, in KDAP, we also use that for, um, you can, of course, push directly, but it's much more convenient. So this is the, the code patch I have, um, I have here. So I'm, I did that for our training material repository. So this is an example of from our training material and there was a missing file. So in one of the project files, there was a missing um, entry. So um, the QML file did not show up in the IDE. So I just fixed that. As you can see, it's, uh, it's also has already, uh, has also an, an, an Jira issue. Um, and in my Git log, you see I'm referencing the Jira issue. So Garrett and our Jira are interlinked, so that will show up. When I push that, it will show up. The change ID is the thing, so for the change ID that's generated by a hook, there's a git hook that is activated on um, commit. Um, it basically generates a, a hash um, or like a random ID for my change. This is how Garrett identifies changes. And for pushing that into the Garrett system, I um, that's, uh, let's do it again, uh, here. Uh, 
right? I have an alias gpushmaster that pushes into the master branch. It pushes into a remote called Garrett that points to the review system and tells me for which branch I'm pushing. This is a bit complicated, so um, if you have multiple branches, so there is a, a tool now called Git, Git Review, and on Linux you can just install it with whatever package system you have, install Git Review. So if I do that here, Git Review, um, it will submit my command uh, my commit to the review system. Hopefully. Yeah, it did. And um, it told me, okay, um, I processed the change. Um, if you have updates to the change, right, it will just update the review. It told me, okay, on this URL, you can find the review for your commit. Let's open that. Did not open automatically. Let's see. Uh, no. God damn it. Copy. There we go. Right, so it generated a URL that is my commit. And you now see, oops, this is the Garrett interface. Um, I have the commit log here. Those are the changed files. I can review them, so I can go into review. I can say, okay, um, right, this had changed. So again, I can make comments and stuff like that. Um, this is a file that got deleted. So usually the workflow is somebody else reviews that and they, they have different options. So I can do like, um, you know, zero, I just have a comment, plus one. I think that's a good thing. Plus two is like, this should definitely already be merged. Uh, minus two, do not merge that at all and at any cost, right? Minus one, I'm not very happy with your, with your, um, you know, change. And I can, of course, add other reviewers and so on. So the, um, I hope, don't think how long it will take. Okay. That, that would be, that should be enough. Um, so what we have here is integrated into our system is our continuous integration for this project. So, um, I've pushed that into the, the Garrett system. The continuous integration saw the commit. The continuous integration is currently building the, um, the change, um, which, you know, the problem is there's, of course, a Windows built in there, so it takes ages, right? So the, um, the Linux should be built, uh, have everything built in, like, two minutes. Then Mac OS usually needs, like, three minutes. And yeah, Windows usually like takes 10 minutes, so that won't, we won't have time for that. But basically, the, the continuous integration makes a comment like any other reviewer. And the, 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 if, if your build had warnings, the, um, code, the, uh, our integration bot will comment minus one. If you have an error, it will comment minus two. Right? So, um, if I go ahead and assume that this works, I give, give myself a code review bus too. That, you know, the advantage is I'm the maintainer of that, so um, let's say it's okay. You see, I have now the submit option, right? So I do submit, and that means it now got merged into master. So I do not have to push into master myself. As I said, I submit into review, and from the review, I go into the actual repository. The other two that I showed earlier, Fabricator and Review Board, they're more like external 
um, you still need to take the, the, the that patch that got the okay and sub committed your, uh, submitted yourself. With Garrett, you can basically go directly. Uh, as I said, in Qt, it's the only way to actually submit patches is to go through the reverse system. You cannot push directly, right? So this direct push has been disabled by the administrator of the Garrett system. Okay. Um, I think that's it, right? So what are your conclusions, right? Everybody already does code review because like we read our code usually while we're developing and especially before we are submitting, sometimes we even look at the diff. But we can improve on that, right? We can use better tools to look at code. Even if it's just like code review, um, you have a collaborative way of looking at code that has been changed before you change it, right? Before you submit it. Um, so we know it, it can be helpful in many ways, not just code quality. We have like knowledge transfer, um, you know, increasing the bus factor, bringing other people up to speed and so on. Right? There's a lot of options. You can start with simple tools um, like Riverboard, uh, but you can also like, go for like, fully integrated things with nicely you know, automated workflows. And resistance against code review can be overcome with the, you know, the right arguments. Right? And even like, let's do a trial phase. Right? So using a simple tool like uh, Riverboard that can be installed, and um, usually people already see the, the advantage after a couple of weeks, and there wasn't a, a big change like switching from your Git, whatever, GitLab to Garrett. Okay. Right, that's it for me. <laughs> Do you have any questions? Fragen? Um, hast du Erfahrungen mit GitLab und Code Review? Nein, leider. Also bisher haben wir nur, ähm, also nur Gerrit jetzt im Einsatz gehabt bei KDE, bei Fabricator. Also ich habe leider GitLab noch nicht im Einsatz gehabt bei einem ähm, Kundenprojekt, ähm, wo das eingesetzt worden wäre. Ja. Wenn es dort eine Review Extension gibt, nehme ich an, die wird ähnlich funktionieren wie, der, wie das Pull Request ähm, Review System von Git, GitHub. Das ist quasi das, woran sich die meisten gerade orientieren. Weitere Fragen? Doch noch. Okay. Äh, mich hat das ein bisschen geschockt, dass das vom äh, Gerrit unmittelbar ohne jedes weitere dann in Master hineinpusht. Wie geht der dort mit Merge-Konflikt so? Wenn er Merge-Konflikt ist, dann weiß das Gerrit das auch, dann kann er das nicht ähm, pushen. Dann, dann gibt es den Submit-Button gar nicht, dann schreibt er den Merge-Konflikt. Ähm, das ist quasi dadurch, dass Gerrit selber das Repository ist, weiß es das. Also ja, er weiß, es also kann sogar sein, dass dein, dein Review völlig in Ordnung ist und auch schon mit plus zwei markiert wurde, dann hat der andere was an anderen gemerged und dann ist deiner im Konflikt und dann ist sofort das Submit aus und so weiter. Genau, also das, das Gerrit hat da, die, die weiß das. Also da gibt es kein Problem. Uh, wie viel Review-Ping-Pongs hast du normalerweise und ab, ab wann ist es zu viel? <lacht> gute Frage, sehr gute Frage. Ich denke mal, das hängt davon ab, erstens mal von der Komplexität der, der Änderung, ähm, auch ein bisschen von dem, von dem Level der, der anderen Person, also quasi ähm, wie, wie viel Unterschied ist. Ähm, es kann durchaus sein, dass es ähm, 
das hängt auch davon ab, wie gut man das Review macht. Also wenn ich zum Beispiel mit einem Kollegen arbeite, der noch nicht so gut ist, muss ich beim Review eben aufpassen, nicht nur die Änderungen zu beschreiben, die ich gern hätte, sondern eben, warum ich sie gern hätte, weil sonst habe ich beim nächsten Mal wieder völlig sehr viele Review-Ping-Pongs. Weil er ja, also wenn, er, wenn, ich, wenn ich nur externe Anwesen gesagt okay, da musst du das machen, da musst du das machen, dann macht er das und dann kann er was anderes falsch gemacht haben in, im Rahmen des, des Reviews. Also da ist quasi so, ich würde sagen, in einem, in einem guten Fall haben wir, also hängt von der Komplexität des Codes ab, sagen wir mal so fünf, also fünf Versions, bis, bis, bis quasi das soweit okay ist. Noch Fragen? Also bei diesen Reviews und bei diesen Ping-Pongs ist es dann so, wenn ich es richtig verstehe, dass man Feedback gibt, dass irgendwas nachgebessert werden soll, ja. dann wird das dazu gepusht oder genau. der, der Request äh, verändert. Genau. Das sieht man wieder im Tool, was dann die Veränderung ist. Genau, also ist. Bei, bei, bei Garrett ist es so, also auch, auch bei den anderen, also bei allen System Version in Garrett tauchen die dann einfach auf, ähm, Quasi wie ein weiterer Dings, da steht halt dann, keine Ahnung, Kevin Gamma uploaded Patch Set 2, wenn ich den zweiten pushe, also ich pushe immer mit demselben Kommando, sobald ich mal so eine Review-ID habe im Commit-Log, pushe das immer in denselben Review-System, also in denselben, quasi auf dieselbe URL sozusagen, und ja, dann taucht es einfach dort auf, genau. Und das zweite Patch-Set hat dann alle Änderungen drinnen oder nur das Delta? Alle Änderungen. Du, du hast wirklich einen neuen, eine neue Version von dem Patch committed. Das mhm. Review-System kennt noch die alte. Du kannst quasi die Delta ansehen, aber der kennst, mhm. du kannst quasi immer sagen, Review against Base oder against die vorige Revision oder was auch immer. Meistens mache ich dann halt so, quasi, ich weiß, ich habe Comments zur Revision 1 abgegeben, dann sind gleich zwei gekommen oder zwei, drei Änder Reviews gepusht worden, also Patch-Sets gepusht worden, dann mache ich quasi einfach Review against 1, weil das war das Letzte, was ich gesehen habe. Dann sehe ich quasi auch, wo meine Kommentare waren, wie die, wie die addressed wurden und so weiter. Okay, danke. Das ist auch bei den anderen Tools, so, also Review Board und so weiter, da wird halt ein neuer Patch hochgeladen über das Webinterface. Es gibt auch Command-Line-Tools, mit denen man quasi ins Review Board quasi pushen kann und dort machen es auch so. Da sieht man dann quasi auch die History, du kannst immer zwischen Versionen diffen und so weiter. Also du lädst quasi immer den vollständigen Patch hoch sozusagen. Dankeschön.